From the VIP lounge to the gridiron, it's everything you need to know from pop culture to free throws. This is Cleats and Cocktails with your hosts, Meg and Taniella. Welcome to Cleats and Cocktails. I'm Taniella. And I'm Meg. This week's episode of Cleats and Cocktails is brought to you by White Russians, um, which the White Russians we're drinking are two parts vodka, one part Kahlua, and one part milk. The actual recipe says cream. That's very heavy. But I don't know why you would want to drink it with cream. So let's just say it's best with milk. Um, But it's quite delicious. It basically just tastes like spiked chocolate milk. Yeah, like it kind of tastes like, I was going to say it tastes like breakfast, but then that probably alludes to the idea of that I drink for breakfast, so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, no, they're really good. Yeah. They don't look all that attractive. No. They're like watery chocolate milk looking. Yeah. It's not cute, but they taste great. Yeah. Um, okay, so up this week, we're going to do our pick six news stories. We're going to do a whose team is it anyways for the Canadian women's soccer team. Uh, the World Cup starts next week. So we're going to give you a preview, tell you who's who, get you guys prepped. Um, and then we're going to do a reality review uh, to catch up on Bachelorette. And Meg has some strong feelings about the voice that she feels we need to talk about. So we're going to jump into that. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay, so with that, let's jump right into pick six. So, obviously, our first news story of the week is going to be the Raptors. Yes. As it, as it will, will be until the NBA Finals are over. <laughs> Which, like, maybe <clears throat> next week. Don't with say the, that. I know. I don't want to think about it, but, you know. Um, so, as of now, as of this recording, the series is officially tied 1 1. Uh, the Raptors played last night being Sunday, and unfortunately, they lost. Mm-hmm. It was a rough game. Yeah, it was a heartbreaking game because they were doing well. Very well. Like, going into halftime, they were up by 10 points, 8 points, yeah. around there. And, I mean, it did. they didn't look as good as they did in Game 1, com- like, comparatively. Yeah. I think Golden State looked better yeah, I agree. than they did in Game 1, which just made the Raptors not look as good. It looked a little bit more panicky and frantic yeah. than it did in Game 1. It was a little bit of, like, the regression to the panic basketball that the Raptors were known for for so long. Obviously not to the level that they used to be at, but... It was obvious that, like, shots weren't falling and they were starting to freak the hell out about it. Um, I think what's tough is that the first half looked very much like game one. Yeah. Raptors were playing shutdown defense. We were hitting our shots. We were up. And the and the Warriors weren't really able to, like, really take a substantial lead against us. And last game in game one, we did that all four quarters and the game was a solid win. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we didn't even talk about game one on this podcast no. yet. But, like, I'm hoping all of our listeners... Are watching? God, I hope so. Yeah, like if they if do. If you're not, I feel like we're doing something wrong. I, yeah, that's actually very fair. We have not taught you this uh, that well, but yeah. no, um, it should be. If there's no other sporting event you watch for the rest of 2019, please let it be this. Yeah, please, please, <laughs> please. But no, like game one was absolute shutdown defense, solid offense. I mean, the Warriors didn't have really an answer for anything, which. I also wonder is maybe a product of them being caught flat-footed because they were off for, like, what, two weeks basically doing absolutely nothing? Yeah, just waiting. Exactly. So, like, they were probably out of rhythm a little bit. Like, so I'm not surprised that they came back stronger this this game, especially because Steph turned back into, like, circus trick shot, three-point shot Steph, and Klay Thompson had a monstrous game until he left with the calf strain. Hamstring strain. Is it? Okay, whatever. It's a strain in your lower body. <laughs> um, so From doing, like, the splits, basically. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He basically, like, did a shot, and when he landed, his feet somehow slipped out, and he, like, went into, like, a borderline splits position. Yeah, that looked real awkward. Yeah. Um, but, no, it was, it was frustrating because in the third quarter of last night's game, um, the Raptors essentially allowed an 18-0 run for Golden State to come right back into it. Not only come back into it, but then take, like, what, a 12-point lead or something? Like, it was stupid. Yeah. So that was the most frustrating part, is that they couldn't stop the bleeding. We talked about what a run is last week on the pod, where it basically means that, like, Golden State scored 18 unanswered points. Yeah. So, like, had the Raptors been able to cut into that at any point... Right. Like, I was saying, so we ended up losing by five points in the end, and there was a really crappy call that was made, was it in the second quarter? Who knows? There were shitty calls know. the well, entire time. There game. were. 
But there was like a clear goaltending call, which is basically where Toronto shot the ball and the ball would have gone in the basket. But one of the Golden State players actually stuck his hand up the basket to block it, which you're not allowed to do, obviously, because you can't literally interfere with the ball as it's going into the net from under the net. Or even like when you're blocking a shot, like there's only a certain amount of time you can block a shot in because if it's falling into the net, you can't stop it. Exactly. You can't impede the ball from literally going in the net. Exactly. And somehow the ref didn't call it like it was very clear like I saw it without even replay and like I barely know basketball like these refs have been refing basketball for a long time like you can't fuck that up so that's two points that we should have had for sure guaranteed and then I was saying to Tiniela if they had even just made it like a 15 and 0 run instead of 18 and 0 run anything right like it's just they couldn't stop the bleeding it was really bad um wait didn't Greg also curse us when we were yes Yes. Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. Just double checking. That was at halftime, right? Yeah. I think at halftime he said that Steph had made, Steph had scored, Steph Curry had scored no points in the first half other than his four free throws that he made. And then he came back to score a thousand. I think in the third quarter, like before we left to come home, he had already scored like 16 or 18 points. So. So we can we can blame all blame Greg, Greg okay. basically. Perfect. Yeah, glad we got that covered. Yeah. Um. So I mean, we're going back to Golden State uh, with the series tied one one, which essentially you'll hear the term um, Golden State now has retaken home court advantage. What that basically means is that when you have when you're playing a game in your own arena, you're expected to win. The advantage is there because the fans are on your side. So if you happen to steal a game on the road, as in Golden State won while in Toronto, they've retaken home court advantage because now they're playing two games in Golden State, and presumably they'll win at home. Right. So if the Raptors can take a game on the road and win in Golden State, they will actually, uh, it'll switch back and the uh, Raptors will retake home court advantage because um, in a seven-game series, the Raps have home court advantage, period. Like, we're going to play more games in Toronto than Golden State because of the fact that we had a better record during the season. Right. So it's going to be interesting. Oracle Arena, the place where um, Golden State plays, is actually very similar to Toronto in the crowd. Um, Oracle is crazy to play in. The fans are really ridiculous. So it's going to be a very similar atmosphere to Toronto, just the reverse. So I'm expecting a lot from Golden State. I feel like this was sort of their, like, the beginning of the wheels turning, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. their momentum is going to start to come back. What'll be fascinating is the injuries. Right. Because we don't... Clay says that he's planning to play. Who knows how he'll look. Yeah, the interview I saw, he said that his high ankle sprain that he had during last year's finals was worse than this, and he played through that. Yeah. So he's, in his mind, it's... He's fine. It's a no-brainer. But who knows? You could always worsen it. True. While playing. And Kevin Durant, his return is looming. Yeah. You know? And if that happens, then we are, like, six ways from Sunday screwed. I'm very scared if he comes back. So it'll be interesting to see. Who, what, who's playing for him right now? Um, Iguodala's currently in. So normally Kevin Durant would be in instead of him. I think so. I would have okay. to look up their starting five. Yeah, that because I'm, I'm just wondering, like, their they're five that they play with, they're all so good already. So it's like... Their whole which, team is amazing. Which one of them comes out for Katie to be in? Uh, yeah, you know? no, it's, it's pretty crazy um, because their whole team plus their bench are all extremely talented because, like, essentially, so Golden State has a weird, like, money structure. Essentially, what they did was they hired... Um, people from the NBA who contributed to, like, developing the cap and everything, they basically hired all of those math people to go work for them to be like, create us a system where we can have everyone and not end up in a really bad situation cap-wise. And so they did. And so, I mean, Kevin Durant did take less money to play there. Um, but what happens is they. this is why their team is so good. They have so many superstars all just playing, and, like, their money situation works out very kindly. It'll end after this year. They're going to end up in a very wonky situation where they can't keep everyone. But currently, they've been riding the high of, like, a very favorable situation, which is why so many players on their team are good. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, I'm – I don't know. I mean, I feel like – Although Toronto lost, it was a very close game. They made a really big comeback considering how big of a run they let Golden State go on in the third quarter. So I still feel hopeful that they could win a game in Golden State. Um, I agree. I think that this is what I was saying to Meg earlier, and this is what I've, I've sort of been maintaining, is that the Raps didn't get blown out. 
If they had gotten blown out by 25 and the whole game was a wash, I would have been like, this series is probably over. Right. But the Raps played like absolute garbage. They thought they shot 32% in the third quarter, meaning that they only, of all the shots they took, only 32% of them went in, which is absolutely garbage. Yeah, that's terrible. Like, (laughs) one third of everything you're doing is successful. Like, you can't win basketball games like that. And even shooting that poorly, they still almost managed to bring it all the way back at the end. Yeah. And... And that final play, if you watched it, Andre Iguodala took a three-point shot that sealed, basically ended the game because it put them up by five with five seconds left. Right. And that that shot is not a bad decision defensively. He was left wide open because he really can't hit threes all that well. He just happened to have a good game when it, it all just fell for him. Right. So yeah. it, it wasn't a bad defensive game. It was a poor offensive game by the Raptors. But even with them playing that badly, it still wasn't – the worst showing, yeah. which for me, I would be scared if I was Golden State yeah. because if the Raps happen to show up again and play the same offensively that they did in game one, the Warriors are going to be in trouble mm-hmm. because they're doing a really good job of containing a lot of their their trickiness and a lot of like, like yeah, Draymond had a great game defensively against Pascal, but at the same time, like he didn't have a great game offensively and he didn't in game one either. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm not devastated yet. Mm-hmm. If the Raps go and get blown out in the two games in Golden State, I'm gonna hit the like, uh, no mode. But yeah. for now, I'm not entirely like freaking out. Yeah, yeah. So games three and four in Golden State will be on Wednesday and Friday of this week. So yes. um, unfortunately, they are a bit late. They're both nine p.m. games, just because Golden State's obviously on the West Coast, so they have to have the games where it's like a reasonable time for. West Coast, so I think they're going to be playing at 6 p.m. Golden State time, which is pretty early. <laughs> it's so bad if you're a Golden State fan. Can you imagine, like, you barely finish work and have to go to a game? Exactly, yeah, it's crazy. But at the same time, 9 p.m. is pretty late for us. I know! Yeah. I don't know how you're managing this. I know, it's just because I know it's like a short-term... <laughs> seven game thing and I feel like I can suck it up it's like going on a juice cleanse like you know there's an end date yeah (laughs) short term (laughs) yeah so yeah that's basically all we have to talk about for NBA because that's all that's happening exactly um so yeah you want to hop over to NHL yeah so in the NHL uh finals we've got Boston and St. Louis which we mentioned last week um they started last Monday and at this moment, Boston is leading the series two games to one. Um, Boston won game one in Boston, four to two. Um, St. Louis actually won game two in Boston, three to two in overtime. That was great. Um, which was really good and, like, necessary for them to stand, <laughs> stand a chance, yep. basically. Um, one of St. Louis's fourth liners, um, Sunkvist, was uh, suspended after game two, though, because of a boarding penalty that he took. Basically resulted in the player that he boarded, like, hit into the boards, hit his head, and it was, yeah. It was ugly. It was, yeah, it was a questionable um, hit. So basically, after review, the NHL decided to suspend him for a game. So he wasn't able to play in game three, which was back in St. Louis on Saturday night, and Boston actually won that game 7-2, to two, which is a bit of a blowout. Um, so... That Yeah, so that was not ideal um, for St. Louis to lose that badly at home. But basically, now we have game four tonight back in St. Louis still, and hopefully they can pull it together somehow. I mean, I hope so. I know. (laughs) If they could at least win this game and tie the series up, like, then we're back to even. Yes. So. Yes. I mean... The reality is that Boston is the heavy favorite in this series. No matter which way yeah. you look at it, they are. Yeah. It's an uphill battle for St. Louis. They stole one in Boston. I'm unsurprised that Boston came back and abs- like just devastated them the next game. Mm-hmm. The thing that I was saying to Meg is that um, the St. Louis coach was actually complaining because it fe- they feel like St. Louis is getting called for a lot more penalties than they ever have, whether season or throughout this playoffs. They, they feel like they were relatively disciplined, which is either... A, that the refs were letting a lot go and now aren't. Or B, that what happens is oftentimes when teams aren't as skilled as the team they're playing against, they get chippy because it's like you just try to physically match them. And Boston is a very physical team. So the same thing that's happened to the Leafs time and time again is they try to play up to that level and it ends up being just penalty central Mm -hmm. because they don't they aren't naturally physical and it's not to say that St. Louis isn't but I don't think they're quite as gritty and I think that that's probably part of what's contributing to all of their penalties and that's killing them yeah Boston's power play is very good Mm -hmm. so 
Yeah, so we'll see what happens tonight. I mean, I was saying to Chaniela, I'm actually really, like, not watching this. Apathetic. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty indifferent. I don't really care. I mean, I don't want Boston to win, but I don't really care if St. Louis wins either. Like, I'm just sort of like, eh. So I'm spending my time, I'm devoting my time to watching the Raptors right now. Full Sun Raptors. Yeah. I'm watching, I mostly because I'm holding out hope that St. Louis will win, Um, but... I don't know. I don't know if I quite have the faith that they're going to pull it off. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we're going to potentially have to talk about another Boston championship on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It legitimately hurts my soul. Yeah. I mean, if it ends up happening in time for next week's podcast, you won't be here. So I'll be okay with that. Maybe you won't have to talk about it. <laughs> that would make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to devote time to them. No. Um, okay. So speaking of hockey, we're going to quickly jump into some women's hockey news. So we've talked about the NWHL and the CWHL and all of the drama surrounding the fact that the CWHL folded um, because they couldn't afford basically to keep the league running. The NWHL, which mostly, I guess, plays out of the U.S., um, announced that they were going to be expanding into Toronto and Montreal for the upcoming season. Well, that was short-lived, as in didn't even develop team names for them because the NWHL has now announced that they are no longer doing that. Yeah, just sort of changed their mind post-announcement that this would be happening. Don't really know why this is all happening, um, because it seemed like they had a pretty solid plan, but from everything that I've been reading, they're basically saying that it's just not going to work out. But then they also, in the same breath, were like, we're still exploring expansion options for the next few weeks. For the next few weeks, yeah. So it's not entirely ruled out, but it's not entirely ruled in. So I wish people would just, like, know that things are confirmed before they make announcements about it. Either way... Like, before you announced that you were doing it, you should have made sure that it was feasible. And then before you announced that you're not doing it, you should probably make sure that you're definitely not doing it. Well, it's just, it's so strange to me because, like, are you doing this in response to the strike that all the women's players are on? Right. Are you doing this because you didn't actually secure sponsorship or financing for these teams, but you, like, blew your load early and announced it? Like, I don't get it. I don't get, and, like, their, their statements about it are all very strange, like... They're very like, we can't wait to work with new people on uh, substantial opportunities to expand the league. And it's like, but you did expand the league and then you canceled it. So like, I don't, I don't get it. And frankly, I'm annoyed because like, I feel like the NWHL or women's hockey in general in North America has just been on this like absolute roller coaster of unending uncertainty. And I feel terrible for them because this is exactly why women's hockey players are striking. Mm Mm-hmm. You get the like you get this announcement that like we're getting an expansion couple of teams in Canada. Great. We can have some something finally start to develop long term and then you cancel it. So like no wonder all of these players are on strike. What stability do they have right now? Zero. Zero. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's immensely frustrating and Definitely. I just I hope that somebody can figure their shit out at this point. Mhm. Cuz these women deserve better. Yeah. Definitely. Well, we'll continue to keep you guys updated on that. Hopefully it's a more positive update next time and hopefully they can figure their shit out and get it together. That would be nice. It would be. Um, Okay, we're going to jump into a bit of a golf update because it's been a few weeks and, well, I was away, so this didn't get covered while I was away. Obviously. can you tell? (laughs) Um, But while I was gone, the PGA Championship happened. That was about mid-May and Brooks Kopka won uh, his second year in a row winning this tournament. Um, Dustin Johnson finished second, two strokes behind him. And then basically everyone else was four strokes back from that. So other than second place, everyone was basically six strokes back from the winner, which is pretty substantial. That is substantial. Yeah. Usually it's like a lot closer than that. Um, so yeah, this year the tournament was held in Farmingdale, New York. The fuck? I don't know. Every year it moves. Like this isn't like the masters where it's always at the same spot. Uh. It's a different course every year. Um, so apparently so. they went to middle of nowhere, New York for this one. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so Brooks won that. So basically that's the only update with that. Um, in a couple weeks, the week of, or on uh, June 13th to 16th will be the U.S. Open for the men. And that will be played in Pebble Beach this year, which is a famous golf course in California. Um, Brooks Kopka actually won this tournament in 2017 and 2018. So we'll see. Yeah. So we'll see if he can pull out uh, his third win in a row and then also his, you know, second major win this year, which would be pretty crazy. Um, This is also a tournament that changes courses every year. So Pebble Beach is just their choice 
course for this year. I think the Masters is the only one of the majors that's actually at the same place every year. They every. they play in Pebble Beach frequently though. Yeah, for uh, for yeah, it's one of the like famous courses yeah, yeah. where they would have stuff. And I think that Pebble Beach is where they have um, the pro am tournament, which is where a pro plays with an amateur, and oh, the amateur is often like a like a celebrity. Can I be in this? Okay, well, I think you have to be a bit more, a bit more pro. I'm than sorry, is our, podca- level. <laughs> is our podcast not famous enough that we qualify for this? <laughs> no, I don't think so. And I think you have to have like a little bit more golf skill. Hmm. Like you need to be able to like play 18 holes of golf in like a reasonable time hmm. frame. I can play mini putt. I feel no. like that's a qualification. That will not get you very far, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's basically it for the men's. And then I just thought I'd also mention that the women's U.S. Open was this past weekend. Um, our girl, Brooke Henderson, who we've talked about before, Love was her. tied for 39th place. Oh. So she didn't do great. Um, kind of middle of the pack. I think there were about 70 golfers who made the cut for Saturday, Sunday. Okay. So she was like about the middle of the 70 who made it. So like not terrible, but not great. Um, the, the girl who ended up winning, her name is, um, John Jung Lee Six. Um, referred to just as six. And the reason there's a six at the end of her name is because she's actually the sixth Korean LPGA golfer um, with this exact name. Oh my God, this is like when you work for a company and you have the same name, so your company email has to have a number in it. To Except they you. just call you that by name. Oh my so they God. Just add, they add a number to the end of your name. I mean, like when I go on like the LPGA website, that's not her name, of course. Yeah, I don't but think like, they've updated her birth certificate to have a number. Of in course it, but. not. <laughs> but that's what people refer to her as. So they just refer to her as six rather than like her full name. Oh my God. This so is like a Stranger just, Things 11 situation. She's just, yeah. So she's just known as six. Um, but anyway, so she is from South Korea um, and she, oh, well, okay. A cool thing about what happened this year is the U.S. Golf Association actually raised the the purse amount, which is basically the total money that people can win, right. like split between everybody, to $5.5 million. Previously it was five, so they upped it by half a million this year, oh. which meant that the winner actually won a million dollars, So, oh. which is super impressive. Like we talk about other women's sports where like they don't really get paid very well at all and whatever. $5,000 paid to Canadian or women's hockey. Exactly. Yeah. So super cool that she won a million dollars. Hell yeah. But then you also have to think about the fact that like, our girl Brooke Henderson in 39th place, probably not getting much. Yeah, so it's still like really the real top end of it that's actually going to be getting money She on got this, like a McDonald's but... coupon book yeah. <laughs> for her placement. Pretty much. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. And this was actually the second biggest prize for a winner on the LPGA ever. Um, she's actually the 10th player from South Korea to win this tournament since 98. So there are a lot of good Korean Damn. golfers, basically, is what it comes down to. What a... Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, like, what an interesting sport to come out of Korea. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And I, Greg knew that, like, when we were, because we were watching it a little bit the other day. And I think the leader, when we looked, was from Japan. And he was kind of surprised by that. Or maybe China, actually. I don't know. And he was, like, surprised. And I'm like, why are you surprised? Like, right. the heck do you know about this? And he's like, no, like, South Korea has really good female golfers. And I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> Fun fact I didn't know. So now we know. Also, though, like, wasn't Korea really good now, really good at um, curling? Like, I feel like they're yeah. really good at, like, adopting sports and just becoming Figuring great at them. them. Out. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they are. So, yeah, so this was her first, um, like, major championship win. Okay. But she's actually won seven Korean LPGA events wow. before. So she's, like, really good, obviously. Yeah. It's just she hadn't won anything, like, on the international stage, I guess. Is so. she super young? She was, I think, 23. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she's pretty young. Another case of where people a decade younger than us are doing so much more with their lives. Uh (laughs) Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much where we're at for golf. I will give everyone an update post uh, U.S. Open for the men's whenever that comes up in June. And uh, maybe Brooks Cop will win again. Who knows? I can't believe how much he's dominating. Yeah. Me neither. It's pretty crazy. He didn't do that well in the Masters. No. I feel like you had him on your yeah, team. Yeah, I sure did because yeah. you told me he was good well, and then he shit the bed. He is good. I Apparently. Mean. <laughs> only when I'm playing fantasy does he decide not to. Yeah, it's pretty Ugh. good. Yeah. Okay. Um, over to tennis quickly, just to give you a quick update on Roland Garros. So um, there's not much to report. We're heading into the quarterfinals right now. I think yesterday and today are quarterfinals matches. Roland Garros being the French Open. I don't know if we've referred to it as both yes. or not. 
I made sure to like sneak that in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. It is the French Open. So, a couple things to note. Unfortunately, there are no Canadians left. Mm-hmm. Womp womp. Yeah. Um, our girl, Bianca Andrescu, um, she actually had to withdraw due to an, a lingering injury. Um, Felix Ojealiasim had to withdraw due to injury, and so did Milos Raonic. So they're all gone. Um, so the only one who was left really, like, were uh, Denis Shapovalov, who lost, and Jeannie Bouchard, who, I did, she gone. Yeah. They gave her a wild card spot. So in tennis, um, there's all the people who qualify based on their seat, uh, like, ranking, and then there's a bunch of, like, wild card spots for people who are ranked, like, outside a certain number. So... For some people, you have to, like, play an entry tournament or, like, play some matches to try and get into the tournament. Other people just get, quote-unquote, awarded a wild card spot in the tournament. Oh. Don't really know why, but Maria Sharapova was very famously awarded um, one, I don't remember which tournament last year, Wimbledon, maybe? U.S. Open? Um, after she, like, had a two-year ban for drug abuse. Oh. Um, or banned substances, sorry. So... They actually do hand out wildcard spots, which is basically an automatic entry into the tournament. So for some reason, they've given Jeannie one. Oh. I don't know why. Hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. I love a Canadian, but she hasn't really played a whole lot. Um, And she was, quote unquote, taking time off from tennis to recuperate. Slash become an Instagram model? Yeah, continue her Instagram model career. Um, I mean, it's V successful, so I guess kudos to her. But anyway, so they gave her a wild card spot, and she goes to the tournament. She's already lost. Yeah, She's out. round one, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was round one. Okay. Like her first game she played, she lost. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah, she gone. So um, there's no Canadians left, unfortunately. So now we're just watching all of the rest of the international players. Uh, Roger Federer, who we are big fans of on this show, resident dad athlete Roger Federer, Mm -hmm. um, he is chugging along. Um, He has made it to the quarterfinals now for the 54th time with this entry into the quarterfinals, which ties him with Chris Everett for most among men or women. Um, he is also the oldest player since Jimmy Connors in 1991 to reach a Grand Slam quarterfinals, as in, this is why Roger Federer is the best ever. Is he the one who's really good on clay court? No, that's That's Rafael Nadal. Nadal, okay, perfect. And he's still in it? Yes. Okay. Um, they're, the two of them were, like, really famous rivals through the, like, peaks of their careers. So, um, I love the fact that they're still playing. They're both really good guys, and obviously I love Roger Federer because he's so cute. Um, <laughs> he is. He's just ador- adorable, and he's so freaking good. And I also think it's really cool that, like, at, I've gotten to witness probably the best player ever in tennis during a life my lifetime at a time when I could appreciate it. Because, mm. like, we really weren't old enough to appreciate someone like Wayne Gretzky. Mm, you know, we were so young. But Roger Federer, like... Nick watched it when we were even younger, but, like, I got to kind of catch the tail end of his peak, and, like, he's so good, and it's so cool that I got to, like, appreciate it while it was happening versus, Mm. like, reading about it in the history books. Right. Um, So, yeah, that's just sort of chugging along. We'll give you an update next week as to how that's going. Um, I mean, I expect Rafael Nadal to make it further. I don't know how Roger will do. He's sort of... It's sort of a toss-up. He's so old at this point that it's like... (laughs) Yeah. You know? But, uh, yeah, that's all you need to know about uh, tennis. Oh, actually, you know what's a fun fact about Roland Garros slash clay court season? Um, So have you ever watched tennis when they have to do a video review? No. Okay, so if they're, like, contesting a call, because, like, in tennis they have, like, an umpire who sits, like, above the court and watches everything, and then they have a bunch of people around it who just yell a bunch when stuff is out. Um, So they have judges all around the court. But if something's contested, a player can actually challenge it. Like if they think the ball was in when it was actually out. So they can do a video review. And literally while you're sitting there, the video comes up on the screen for the audience and on TV. And they zoom right down to like, like it's like a digital like reenactment of the ball. Oh. Yeah. So it's not actually the live play. It's actually just like a video reenactment that the computer like tracks and takes you all the way down to like the line and where the ball is. And sometimes it's like down to literal millimeters, whether it's in or out. Oh, wow. But in clay court season, they actually don't use videos, at least not since I've been watching, um, because the clay actually holds the ball shape because it's clay. So they just go down to the court and look at it. 
Whoa. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. So that's like a really fun part because like the players won't even bother to challenge because they'll just go over and like look at it and be like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. Um, oh. And walk away. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know. Actually, we were watching a little bit of it this weekend. I don't remember who. Um, but one thing I noticed is that they actually slide on it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if they're running up and then they're trying to stop themselves, like it's not like cement or whatever like is yeah it, it's like uh, normal tennis court I don't even know what it's actually made of composite yeah but it's like basically like cement like it's a yeah. hard hard material it's a hard yeah and you're not like gonna slide on that nope. like you're when you want to stop you're gonna stop yeah whereas like the one guy went to stop and he just like slid and yeah, you can yeah. see like his footmark like sliding along and I was like wow that seems dangerous in the episode where I was hosting with Victoria the I was ref, trying to reference the movie Risky Business shout out to oh. our listener uh, Kathleen who <laughs> quickly reminded me because um, that's what it looks like is they slide around the court like like slide on in and like hit the ball because they don't come to dead stops because you can because the clay is so malleable right. I do recall you saying that now and I remember in the moment being like it's Risky Business it's Risky Business yeah, I couldn't remember <laughs> Victoria was like I'm the wrong person to ask <laughs> yes yeah. exactly yeah but yeah okay cool well, our last news story of the week is just uh, an update on the CFL because it's actually starting this week, regular season. Um, it's really funny actually going back our very first episode <laughs> of Cleats and Cocktails, which was back in November. We actually recorded the day after the Grey Cup, which is basically like the Super Bowl of the CFL. I can't and believe that that was our first episode. I we know. talked about CFL. It's crazy because the funny part is that we basically touched on it briefly, talked about the Grey Cup talked a little bit about the differences between CFL and NFL. And then there was an actual note in there that said, now we don't have to talk about the CFL until next year. Woo. And we probably did like a high buy from the, we did, we did a high buy. And, uh, it's pretty crazy that now it's next year. Uh, What the hell? Right. Like we've been doing this podcast through the entire off season. I mean, I, well, I don't need to measure it in their off season. We've been doing it for like, you know, almost six months or more than eight months, more than six months. Yep. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. So it's just crazy looking back that that was our first episode. <laughs> but basically, we're back. Um, last week there were some preseason games. This week the regular season starts. So typically, CFL games are going to be played on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, this Thursday it is opened up with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats play on Thursday night. Um, we will do a segment in the coming weeks where we're going to talk a little more about the difference between CFL and NFL and break down the CFL rules a little bit more, um, just for anyone who's interested in watching or planning to be watching this season. Especially because Um, it's been so long since we actually talked about CFL that even if we did mention it in the initial episodes, we might as well just go over it again. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But one other thing I thought I would note, just because it's kind of breaking news that came out this weekend, is that the Montreal Alouettes team um, was actually being taken over by the league so by the CFL from their prior owner um, who was Robert Wettenhall he basically owned the team for 20 years and I guess was struggling with the team I'm assuming like from a financial perspective like they just weren't really making money so what I can gather there's not a ton of details on it but what I can gather is that they actually had a meeting back in November with the league to like bring forward the concerns they were having as owners um And that they were, you know, looking to problem solve and like find some solutions, not necessarily wanting to sell. But I guess obviously that didn't work. They weren't able to come up with good solutions, whatever it is. So basically the CFL has now taken over and they're looking to find a new owner, um, hoping they're going to be able to find someone who has some sort of connection or allegiance to Montreal and or Quebec to make it like a little bit more... I don't know, to be able to, like, market it to the people of Montreal and Quebec a little bit more, maybe? They do tend to be finicky, too. Like, I know, even in hockey, like, if you don't have, like, a French-speaking coach, it doesn't go over well. Like, they are very, like, they want that as part of their identity and their sports team, so it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't really realize that this was a thing that happened, but apparently it is. Like, if a team's doing so poorly financially that the, the owner is just not making money and... I guess can make an argument that they no longer have the money to be able to keep running the team, then the league has really no option but to just take it over. And I think this happened with like the Phoenix Coyotes. Oh yeah. In the NHL. Yeah, yeah. um, Who are now the Arizona Coyotes. But I think Greg mentioned that that happened. Their owner, same thing. It just like wasn't successful. Exactly. And the league had to take it over and find a new owner. So I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So I didn't really know that was a thing, but it is. So CFL starting back and um, more to come in the coming weeks on that too. I do actually really encourage people to watch CFL. I actually really enjoy it. Um, There's a bunch of differences between NFL and CFL. CFL, So 
it, I do find it really exciting. I actually have season's tickets to the Argos, so we'll be at a few games this summer, I'm sure. Um, so if you happen to go, shout us out. Let us know. Come have a $5 beer. Their $5 beer stand is very accessible, it unlike is. the one at the Jays. It is. You're right. No long lines. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's due to lack of attendance. <laughs> Not so yes. much availability. But, um, yeah, I definitely, like, I'm always a strong supporter of Canada and its teams and so obviously I want the CFL to do well there are cities where it does spectacularly like the Rough Riders yeah obsessed yeah so even in Winnipeg it does quite well does it yeah I think people really like the Bombers they get quite a few people at their games even when it's freaking freezing right like people will go there in the fall when it's like like snowing and hat and scarf and you just do it you just do it yeah um, okay, so that concludes uh, our pick six for the week. Up next, we're going to do a little bit of a Whose Team Is It Anyways? Canadian Women's Soccer Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited. I leave in like four days to go to the Women's World Cup, and I'm like so excited I could pass out. Um, <laughs> slightly conflicted that I'm missing the Raptors. This is potentially like my nightmare scenario for sports, but that's fine. We'll yeah. just we'll figure it out as it happens. Yep. May just cancel the rest of my trip, but that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, so basically this time next Monday, you will be at the game. Or it'll have just ended. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, well, Monday, June 10th is Canada's first game against Cameroon, and Taniela will be there in attendance in real life. Front and center, baby. Yeah. Look for me if it happens. It's going to be on TSN. Yeah, I'm going to be watching it. I'm hoping, I don't know what side the actual benches are on. I'm really hoping we're on the the side with the camera so that you can see me with my flag. Yeah. Because I'm going to have my flag. I bought jerseys, so we're like full send, ready to go. Like specific women's soccer jerseys. Yeah, yeah. We bought the Canada um, national team jerseys. Wow. Mm -hmm. So look for us. I've got the red hair. I've got the red jersey. I've got the flag. I've got everything. I'm ready to go. And I'm sure there will be a good Instagram story that Taniela will post while she's there. I'm going to live, like, Instagram the whole thing. Yeah. So. All of it. Everyone can watch out for that. Um, Okay. So we're going to give you a quick rundown of what the team looks like this year. They did announce their official squad a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to focus on the starting 11, meaning the ones that you're actually going to see for the majority of the games on the field. Um, So... The other thing I'll note before we get started, the games are going to be on TSN, so please try and watch them. Show your support for our Canada, like our Canadian women. They are phenomenal. Um, TSN's Instagram has also been doing like middle mini like vignettes of each player. So we're going to go through them, but I would highly encourage you to actually go on and like put faces to names to kind of match them all up because it's so much easier to appreciate them when you actually like can identify them by face. Yeah. Soccer is luckily one of those sports where there's no like gear or protection on so you can totally figure out who people are just by their looks um so i would highly recommend going to look them up so um so a couple of quick notes we do have a bunch of returning players and as well we have some uh brand new players so our returning vets are our goalkeeper stephanie labay um our defense alicia chapman kadisha buchanan and ashley lawrence our midfielders jesse fleming sophie schmidt and desiree scott and our two forwards that you would probably know are Adriana Le- uh, Leon and Christine Sinclair, our captain. So, um, of the new people, so there's 14 new players joining us for this World Cup. And what's super interesting is half of them were still teenagers at the last World Cup. Wow. Like, that's how young our team is. Right. How old do you have to be to play in the World I Cup? I want to say you have to be 18. Okay. I think you have to be 18. You can play the under 20 at, like, I think 16. Okay. But I think to play World Cup, you have to be 18. Because okay. Jordan Heidema just graduated high school and she's playing. Okay. Which is also wild. Yeah. Can you imagine having a child who graduates high school and is like, oh, I'm just, like, one of the best players in the world? Mm, like, no. what? Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, okay, speaking of, we might as well just jump right into the forwards. So, um, up first we have our girl... Queen of Canada, Christine Sinclair. She's the captain of our squad, and she's currently making her fifth World Cup appearance. That actually ties her for our national record for most World Cup appearances ever. Um, She's also just four goals away from tying the international, or for having the most international goals of all time. She's currently chasing the American Abby Wambach, who is no longer playing. So that number that Abby Wambach is um, at, I think it's like 185, is currently stagnant. So it's right. really Christine Sinclair's chance. Like, this World Cup should be her chance to actually at least tie it. Yeah. There's enough games, like, she should be doing it. 
The other thing to note is the easy way to identify Christine Sinclair. Not only is she going to have a captain's band on her arm, so you'll see like a brightly colored band on her jersey. Um, she'll also likely, if there's ever any penalty shots, she'll be the one to take them. Okay. She's like our pure finisher. Like she's so talented in, in actually scoring that if there's a penalty shot, they're likely going to make her take it. Okay. Partially because of her skill, probably also to get her to the record. Hmm. So um, she's one to note. And we also have Jordan Heidema. She is very young. She's the future of our Canadian national team. You heard me talk about her with Victoria when she was co-hosting with me. Um, she just signed a Paris Saint-Germain's women's team in January. And she also won the golden boot in the under-20 uh, CONCACAF championship last year, which usually is handed out to either, like, the top scorer or the best player in the tournament. Oh, okay. So, like, at 17, she won that, which wow. is a huge deal. Yeah. So, she's phenomenal. You, If you remember that episode, I also mentioned that you'll be able to identify her because she's ridiculously tall. Like, she's, like, ahead above everybody else. So, oh. you'll see her... The best way to identify strikers is they're the ones that are always at, like, with the ball heading towards the other net. So they're always usually hanging around. If the ball is in Canada's half, they will likely be hanging around the center of the field, right. waiting for the ball to come back out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look for them. And, yeah, the last um, forward or striker that we were going to talk about is Janine Becky, who currently plays for Manchester City in England and actually just signed a contract extension with them in April, which is really exciting for her. Um, she's actually born in Colorado, but lived in Saskatchewan until she was three. So I guess she has dual citizenship and I guess therefore you can play mm -hmm. for either team. You can pick. Yeah. So yep. that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, she also has, oh, fun fact, she also has a brother named Drew uh, Becky, who is also a professional soccer player oh. and plays for El Paso Locomotive FC, which oh. like, what kind of name is that? El Paso Locomotive FC. So Locomotive <laughs> isn't an uncommon actual soccer team name. There's like... Um, isn't that like an old name for a train? Yeah, I don't know if it has, like, a different reference, because there's a couple of teams in Europe that are, like, Locomotive FC from, like, different cities. That's so random. I have no idea. Super random. Yeah, Janine was, she's she's returning, obviously. She yeah. was on, um, the, on Team Canada in 2016 at the Olympics when they won bronze, so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky in that we have like a really solid vet lineup for forwards, plus the addition of, uh, Jordan Heidema, who is like already so skilled. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. Um, I don't, I think Heidema has been starting, but I'm curious to see how they're going to line them up because I think her and Christine Sinclair are very similar in where they usually stay on the field. So I'll be interested to see what happens. Okay. Um, so moving to midfield and we talked about in our, what's the call for soccer midfields are the ones that do a whole lot of fucking running. <laughs> I played midfield for like an hour as a soccer player. Um, and I like literally died. It's so much running. It's actually disgusting. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, you're basically playing forward and defense. Yeah. You're playing earthing. Yeah. So it sounds like my worst nightmare. Basically. I know. Yeah. It's so much sustained cardio. Yeah. There's no breaks. Yeah. It's no, a, it's a nightmare. Um, so our most famous midfield is Sophie Schmidt. Um, she's really easy to identify because she always rocks a really cool mohawk. Um, so she's like bright blonde hair, really cool mohawk, usually has some colored streaks in it in like line with our outfits for the tournament. Um, she currently plays for the Houston Dash, who are also, who are in the uh, National Women's Soccer League. She actually previously played for Germany as well. And a little Winnipeg connection for you. Yeah, she's born and raised in Winnipeg. Although she went to high school in Abbotsford, BC, presumably to play soccer out there. Probably. Because it was probably better. Um, but she actually grew up in a Mennonite community and is still like very close to her faith. Wow. So, yeah, it's an interesting fact about her. Also, and is Winnipeg not like a pinnacle of uh, soccer development in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I, I mean, yeah. Um, I think, I think probably not. I think they've got some good, uh, programs for Timbit soccer. And then I don't really know how it <laughs> continues from there, which is probably why she moved to Abbotsford. <laughs> but you know, um, and yeah, she's also a vet on the team. She played on team Canada in the 2012 and 2016 Olympics and won bronze both times. Yes. So she's great. Um, she will probably play almost the entire game. She usually doesn't get subbed off because she's, she's pretty solid in the middle. Um, our other two midfielders that are like of note are Desiree Scott and Jesse Fleming. I mean, not much to talk about with like overall anything to note. I, I personally love Desiree Scott because she's a total beast. Um, she's not the tallest person on the field, but like she's a literal beast. Um, and she's, She's a phenomenal player. Um, I think Victoria is a big 
huge fan of Jessie Fleming, like number one fangirl of her. Mm. Um, so our midfield is actually very solid. I'm curious to see how it's going to line up against teams like the Americans that have some vet presence because our midfield is not young, fresh, and new. Like, they are experienced. So I'm curious to see what happens. When we watched them against Mexico, they did look good. There were some weird, like, wonky moments where – I felt like it was a little bit of a disconnect between like defense and midfield, but I also wonder if that was just growing pains. So, you know, they've been really like, they've been bonding. They were actually just on a trip together in like Aww. San Sebastian before the tournament. Aww, like, that's so cute. Yeah, so freaking adorable. Um, but yeah, that's basically our midfield. Moving over to defense, which has a special place in my heart because I played defense basically my entire life and so, when I played you soccer. You did? I didn't know that. Yeah, I yeah. came with my left foot, so I was a left defense. Oh. Yeah, I was a coveted. I mean, I say coveted. I was, wasn't actually coveted. Um, but, like, I'm a rarity in soccer with, like, kicking with my left foot. Why do you do that? I don't know. I just, I do. I've always kicked with my left. Huh. Yeah. It's interesting. I basically do everything left except right. Really? Like, right paper. Like, what if you were going to, like, throw me a baseball? I can kind of do it with both hands. I would probably use my right, but I can't throw, so it's a very bad example. <laughs> but, like, tennis, I can play with both hands. Um, hockey and golf, golf as though I play it. Um, I shoot with my left. What if you're like swinging a baseball bat left too? Left. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Well, there you go. So yeah, I was a combination of very short and kicked with my left foot. Hmm. Let me tell you, high priority player. (laughs) Um, so anyways, defense, we have our absolute queen, Kadisha Buchanan. She is, um, really the pillar of our defense Um, She, in 2015, was both a tournament all-star selection as well as awarded the Best Young Player Award. Um, She currently plays for Olympique Lyonnaise, who, um, or like Lyon, and they just won Champions League for the women. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So she's wicked. Um, Last World Cup, she rocked some seriously bright, completely matching with the jersey um, red hair extensions. Oh. So I'm curious to see if she's rocking another look like that, but she is wicked. She is like an absolute, um, I don't even know how to describe her. She never stops running. She is like up and down the field. She's really fast. And so in times when she's gotten like beat by a player, she always manages to catch up to them and come back. And I think her like level of discipline has really reined in as she's gotten older because she was a little bit wild for a while but like she's really reined her game and she's phenomenal wow big fan yeah um we also have ashley lawrence who plays on paris saint germain with jordan heidema yeah i just looked it up she's actually been playing there since 2017 and then just also signed a multi-year contract contract extension that's amazing so sounds like she's gonna be there for quite a while it makes me so happy to have these women playing for really legit clubs Mm mm-hmm Um, And we also have Alicia Chapman, who, um, she's one of our vets, and she is, she holds my favorite, like, award for favorite Insta account of any of the players. Like, I put in our our show notes that she posted a bikini pic recently and captioned it, I'm about as curvy as a block of cheese. (laughs) Right? How relatable. (laughs) Like, hashtag rectangle. (laughs) she's wicked um she really does seem to be like the glue of the team like personality wise like everyone talks very highly of her she's always like she has photos like floating around among people's instagram accounts where everyone's just laughing because she's making them laugh like she's adorable also she's tiny so like she's my girl because like she's so much shorter than everyone else her and diana matheson who unfortunately is not going to be in this tournament due to injury um are like the two minis of the team and they're really good and i love them that's awesome yeah um, and lastly, we have our goalie, Stephanie Labe, who actually has been our backup for quite a while um, behind Aaron McLeod, who's also injured this tournament and won't be playing for us. Um, Stephanie Labe is phenomenal. And her dog has an Instagram account. His name is Rio. I highly recommend you look him up, Rio Labe. He's like half... Rio Labe! Right? Is he a lab? He's a half French bulldog, half... Boston Terrier. Okay. He's freaking adorable. Oh my god. Um, she's also a strong advocate for like mental health. Um, and she's also dating Georgia Simmerling, who is a three-time summer and winter Olympian. Summer so, and winter. Yeah. Oh, just casual. Whatever. Sports that fall under both. Cool, I guess. You know, it must be nice to literally be that talented at everything. That's so between the two of them, like stupidly athletic. Wow. There are probably people who go on, like, really long hikes. Oh, you know? gosh. Yeah. And they don't complain the whole way up. 
<laughs> they enjoy it. They don't even care how good the view is. They just totally. enjoy that hike the whole way up and right? the whole way down. Yep. Unlike us. Yeah, unlike me. <laughs> for sure. So yeah, that's pretty much um, a quick review of what our team is going to look like. There's definitely more players who are going to be subbed on and off. And I'll try and do my best to give you updates either when I'm in France or like before that. Um, if you have any questions about the women's team, please let us know. I'm happy to talk about any of the players. If you have questions about soccer itself, we did the what's the call two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. Yeah. So if you do have any questions outstanding, let me know. That way at least you can enjoy the games. It is going to be on a time delay or like difference because it is in France, but it'll probably be about what, three, four o'clock when the games are on? Yeah. So game one on Monday is at 3 p.m. Um, okay. so obviously Monday most people will be at work, so they probably can't watch that. Um, sorry, that's 3 p.m. Eastern time. Um, but the game will go, I mean, what, about two hours? Yeah, it's about two hours. About two hours. So depending when you get off of work, you may be able to catch some of it. Um, and there'll I, be some weekend games too. Yes, there will be some weekend. The, their second game is actually the following Saturday, which is June 15th, yeah. um, is the Saturday. So they have a game that day, I think also middle of the day. So yeah. everyone should be able to watch that one. I think, so for the Canadian games they're all either very late on weeknights in like french time or like relatively late in the day on the weekends because they want the canadian audiences to tune in so like they're not going to play at the other times like some of the other countries are going to they act the world cup actually tries to stagger them based on their countries right that's smart yeah good for them um yeah so next week taniella will be away obviously she's going to be in france watching the game so i will be here recording um with a guest co-host and so we will um, be happy to answer any other soccer-related questions. I mean, of course, I will consult Taniella because she's more of the expert <laughs> on that than me. Um, but same with if there's any other players that you want to know about or anything else, like we're happy to go into that next week further too. Or if you happen to be in France or your friends are, <laughs> let me know. Send us a DM. I'm happy to have a beer with you before we head out. Um, game one is in Montpellier, so I'm super excited. I've never seen that city, so gonna be a lot of wine and a lot of soccer it's like literally my dream yeah sounds amazing pumped yeah okay so i think that wraps up sports for the week yeah it does moving into our reality review you're so excited about um, this yeah i am this is my jam <laughs> um i'm gonna start with my rant about the voice because it's not really a rant i guess it's just like adam levine's leaving the voice which i'm sure everybody's heard because i feel like it was like big news on like social media people would have seen yeah. about it um, but I, I read about that while I was gone on my trip. So I hadn't actually watched the end of the voice current season yet. And so when I got back, I watched it kind of breezed through it a little bit. Cause you know, there's a lot of garbage in there. Mixed yeah, in. It's a lot of filler. It's a lot. Um, and like, I can't blame him even one bit for wanting to leave. Like it's just the Blake Shelton show. And I don't really get why. I don't really get why either because I feel like Adam Levine is so much cooler than Blake Shelton. Yeah. Like, by a mile. Greg thinks that it's because the primary audience would be, like, middle America. Oh, yeah. The demographic loves Blake Shelton. Exactly. Which I guess that makes sense. But it's just, like, it's shocking. And they changed the... For anybody who didn't watch, I'm sure most people know the concept of The Voice. Like, you know, you audition, their backs are to you, they click their button to turn around. If they like you, you end up on teams. So after the blind auditions... Everyone's got an even amount of people on their teams. Right. So then you go into the battle round where two players, or so two singers on your own team go against each other and you have to choose one of them. So that's how you narrow down the individual teams, right? So you narrow it down. So now you have fewer people. That seems dramatic. So then it is. That's the part that I would tune into. Yeah. Well, you should. It's good. Um, So then once each team has narrowed down a little bit to maybe like, I don't know, eight or six people per team and there's four teams so there's still like quite a few then normally what they do is they go into like live shows so they each get to um sing and then america votes and whatever it's straightforward gotcha but this year what they did is they did like a cross battle round where like so if it was adam's turn to go adam got to choose an artist from his team and then he got to choose any other coach to compete against so let's say he chose blake Blake would then choose an artist from his team and they would go head to head, those two artists, right? Oh. So that's great. Except then they had America vote on those because you couldn't exactly have the coaches vote because they would all vote for their own artists. Why don't you have the other two team, the judges vote? Yeah, that would be another option for sure. But that what way, they like, did... America's the worst. Yeah, so they had America vote. So basically at the end of that, Adam had like two artists left. So oh. with like four weeks left in the competition, he ended up losing like all his artists. Yeah, and your he just team sat is decimated. There. Yeah. 
And he had really good people on his team. Like, that's the thing. It's not like he has... Everyone on this show is good. That's yeah, the thing. Right. They don't... Like, it's not like American Idol where you get, like, those shitty auditions where you're like, oh, this is painful. Yeah. Like, everyone's good. So, I just... And, and Blake's team, it's, like, all the same thing. Like, it so always. many country artists. Yeah. Which, I like country music. There's... I don't have anything wrong with country music. It's just, like, why do we need all country artists on this one show? Yeah. Like, they're not better singers than people from the other no. teams. They're not. Like, it just... Ugh. So once I watched it, knowing that Adam was leaving, I was like, I totally get it. Like, this is such a shit setup. And like, there was one point where he actually made a comment, like Carson asked him a question, Carson Daly, the host, asked him a question. And he said something about like, I clearly don't understand like the format of like the new format of the show or something like that. I and mean, he was just like making like, like, you know, side remarks. Yeah, exactly. I did um, hear like through the rumors of like social media that apparently he was fucking pissed in his last couple episodes and he was like a total dick before he left. Yeah. Because he was just so infuriated by the whole thing. I did hear that he wasn't the best to work with overall. Like, Mm. people who have been on the show have been interviewed and they say that he tends to be the one who, like, puts in the least amount of time and, like, who... I don't know. I guess, like, he's, like, the least sort of, like, welcoming as a whole, right? Like, he's a bit more standoffish. Like, that's what I've heard in general. But... I mean, whatever, that's just, if that's just his personality, then fine. But yeah, by, in the last couple episodes, like, definitely he was not pleased. So, anyways, just wanted to talk about that because it was really, like, I just don't get it. I don't get why everybody likes, I, I like Blake. He's fine. I don't have anything wrong with him. Yeah, but he's but fine. Like, but, like, like that's wh- the thing. Right. He's fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm really happy to say that John Legend's artist actually ended up winning. So the oh. finals, or there was four people, three Blake artists and one John Legend artist, and she won. So, I mean... That worked out how I wanted it to. She's really good. Um, she deserved to win. But it's just, I don't understand why it's just the Blake Shelton show. Like It's a little basic, you know? Is. Like, I feel like the other thing about Blake Shelton that I feel is that he could be replaced by any other country artist and they would have the exact same people on his team. Like, nothing would be different, you know? Yeah. There's nothing, like, edgy about it, which I guess is some people's jam. Like, and that's totally fine. But it's, like, why people are so obsessed with it is the thing that I have trouble with. Yeah, ditto. Um, Okay, so the other thing I wanted to mention is that the Big Brother US is coming back. Uh, Season 21 starts June 25th. Meg and And I are big super fans of Big Brother, so we are V excited to have this come back. Do we know what the twist is yet? No. Mm, They usually... We don't. So probably, so like next week I'll be recording without Taniella. The week after when she's back, which will be like the 17th of June-ish. Yes. That's probably when we'll be able to do a bit of a cast breakdown. The cast should be released by then, I would think. Yeah, because it starts like a few days after. I think it starts on that Thursday, doesn't it? The 25th. Oh, the week after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, usually for Big Brother, I actually do a massive cast breakdown over email where I spend like a unspeakable amount of hours watching every single bio and reading everything and then they started also doing like a youtube series where jordan or sorry jeff schroeder sits with them in the diary room and interviews them and it's awful and i sit he's a past big brother house guest for anyone yeah sorry um it's just awful i lose so many fucking brain cells doing it and i do it every single year so it's a very enjoyable though like the commentary that you provide about all these people, it's definitely very enjoyable to read, so. I mean, it usually starts really strong because I'm like, I'm fresh and I'm in it. And then by the, like, hour three of me doing it, it's just evolved into me like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, all of these people are awful. Like, I'm losing brain suck. cells. They're all terrible. Yeah, basically. So, anyways, I will definitely do a cast breakdown. I'll try and, like, maybe I'll try and, like, do it and then come ready so that I can comment on some people I feel like might be good. Because we're big fans of Big Brother US, mostly because the budget is bigger. <laughs> yes. I mean, Big Brother Canada's good, and like, this it was season good this was season. good, and the, the season ended up being good. I was really happy with yeah. how it turned out. It was a yeah. unanimous vote. They voted for the right person yeah. who played the best game. Like, it went about as well as you could expect. I'm really glad it was a unanimous vote, because I really didn't expect that, to be quite honest. With yeah. Anthony being in the finals, I was expecting some people to throw him a vote, yeah. and like, I was super impressed that even like, Adam and all of them still voted for Dane. Yep. I was happy. Yep. Agreed. Um, okay, so moving on to The Bachelorette, um, we are, what, three weeks into The Bachelorette Are now? we? Four Jesus. weeks? I think there's... I think tonight's think week tonight's four. Tonight's week four, yeah. So, um, yeah, a couple weeks into our Bachelor pool, um, 
So I was able to confirm the scoring system. I didn't really know what it was before. I mean, I figured it was basically like the more people you get right, the more points you get. But basically it was what, from what I can tell so far is that for the rose ceremony number two, every correct guess on who would go through the rose ceremony was worth two points. For rose ceremony three, every correct guess was worth three points. And I'm assuming it will just continue to go up from there. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it gets harder and harder to choose. It makes exactly. Sense. Yeah. So I don't know if it'll go up exactly like Rose Ceremony 4 will be four points. Five will be five points. Like, I don't know. But I think in some way it will go up. Yeah. Um, currently, Kathleen is in first place, which is very fitting because she is actually who suggested or asked if we were going to do this pool. Damn. So good for her. Yeah. Currently leading the pack. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm enjoying it so far. I'm like, I need to, so I need to watch tonight because I missed last week and I don't know that at this point it's even worth watching because so many people are still getting eliminated. Like I have trouble at the very beginning of these seasons. I like to get into it like partway through when I can actually like, these people might be around for a bit. Um, The thing that I struggled with in the first episode and you haven't been here in so long so we haven't even talked about it is that like, I don't like that they tried to make me feel bad for Hannah. Like... When she's like, you know, I just really feel like this, I, I deserve it. And I'm like, D- you're a beauty queen. You're fucking gorgeous. You know, like you're hot and you're young and you're the bachelorette. How are you upset about your life? Like, I have no sympathy for you. That's true. So like that I struggled with, but like, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it gets better. I didn't really get the feeling that they were trying to make me feel bad for her. But, like, they always try to put, like, a struggle angle in of some sort in every storyline where it's, like, they've... And it's, like... Well, but obviously the person they're going to pick to be the Bachelorette on national TV is going to be somebody who's, like, got a reason to be there. Like, who's, like, hot and has some sort of, like, past that brought her there. So then their their ability to come up with, like, a good, relatable struggle is going to be limited. So like just embrace it. Like, she's... Like, she's a beauty queen, and she's had this, like, relatively decent life. Like, it's okay. Like, right, just, but... Just give it the glossy beauty queen angle that she already is. Like, Yeah, but then it's not as relatable. So they have uh, to yes, try to do... yes, because the show is so relatable. Well, they have to try to do something to make it more relatable. And I feel like, like, if you watched The Bachelor last season, which I don't think you did. Not really, did you? No. Yeah. I watched parts like, of it. Then you would, you would know that, like, she actually, like, did appear to struggle... Like, in her first date that she had with Colton, she was, like, she couldn't even say a toast. Like, she was, like, um, uh, mm, uh. Like, it took so long for her to even, like, make a toast. Because she was just, like, so, like, set on, like, trying to be perfect and, like, say the right thing. And, like, what if I say the wrong thing? And, like, whatever. And now she just doesn't give a shit. So, like, I feel like she's grown as a person. I agree that, like, her version of a struggle is, like... (laughs) Like, bitch, come on. Seriously, yes. But that's what they're always going to do. Of course. And I don't know. I like it. I like that she just says what it is. Like in episode one, when Demi came to her and said, like, this guy, it looks like this guy has a girlfriend or whatever it was they said. Mm. And she basically just like confronted him, sent him home. And like right now, Luke P, who got her first impression rose, Uh. last episode, he was like really trying to control her time and like wanted all the time with her. And she was like, no, like you are not going to control, you are not going to dictate like when I spend time with you. Like I will tell you when I want to spend time with you. Like right, I, saw I already that. spoke to you today. Yeah. I'm going to talk to these other guys and I promise you I will talk to you at some point, but I am in charge of when that happens. So like she is just like running the show, which I think based on watching her on last season, like I, she wouldn't have been yeah, like Yeah, vast that. growth. Yes, exactly. And she's like putting sentences together. So like, yeah, you know what? That's a huge her. improvement. I was <laughs> expecting like minimal communication ability. Yes. So like, you know what? Good for the elocution lessons they probably put her in prior yes. to the show. It's good to see that she's holding her own. Exactly. Um, I am enjoying it. I pretty much enjoy most seasons. So it's like, true. let's be honest. Um, John, John Paul Jones is still there. How? So like, why? I don't know. Oh. I don't know who picked him to go this far. Maybe Kathleen did because she's in first place. Um, but I certainly did not. One person I was surprised went home as early as they did was Connor J. Um, he's one of the people who I think she met on the first, like on the after the final rose. And he was like a car dealer. He worked at a car dealership from like Newport Beach. Yeah. And like, I don't know. He had like a pretty long intro video. I know. I had him going further. Yeah. And like his grandmother was in the video and like it was really sweet. And like, I don't know. I just thought he would be there for a while. They designate that much time to people who actually are going to stay a bit. Right. I was surprised. I think there were like two or three people who had a, a, like a substantial intro video who went home like night one or night two. 
Maybe they're trying to throw us off finally because it makes it too predictable. Yeah. Because that's part of what I use, like part of my method to choose. Like all those people, I was like, oh, they're going to go. Yeah. And like the guy, um, I can't think of his name right now, but the guy who had um, his intro video where his mom, his dad, and his sibling, brother, or sister were all deaf, but he's not. Oh, yeah. He had such a sweet story. And like, he seemed like a really nice guy. And I totally thought he was going to be around for a while. Like, I might have him going to like top six. I'm not sure. And he's he's already already gone. He went home night one. Oh. Literally night one. I don't even think he got a chance to tell her anything about himself because in night one, that guy who had the girlfriend who she sent home took up so much of her time time that a bunch of people didn't even get to talk to her. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, who else? Oh, freaking Cam. Cameron. ABC, as he says, always be Cam. I hate him. Is The Bachelor on ABC or NBC? ABC. ABC, yeah. So, like, I don't know. Did you make that up for the show so that you would be, like, calling out the network over and over again? I don't know. Either way, he kept saying it a hundred times. I As I always say, ABC, always be Cam. I was like, you're such a douche. Um, I, I had him going far because I thought that... Like producer pick exactly like he's like causing drama he's like yeah like he showed up on a group date that he wasn't invited to because he was like i just couldn't fathom the thought of not seeing you this week so he like showed up with flowers and Ew. the guys were like you're fucking annoying like you weren't invited on this date Go why away. are you here yeah so like i really thought that she was gonna keep him around for that but nope he's gone i mean that to me is exciting is that she's getting rid of like people like that right you know yeah. because usually we are stuck with them yeah. aka john paul jones yeah maybe he's producer's pick this year yeah i don't know why though he's not really adding much like he's not really considering his bio where he you have to call him all three names and he likes to use like long words words or, that are only longer than three syllables yeah so like not I, a great look no. also can i tell you that while we were making our picks like we were trying to i was out for dinner with uh, one of the girls who's in our pool and like a bunch of other people and I said that out loud and then we legitimately tried to sit there and think of like how to form sentences with words longer than three syllables you can't right and he doesn't no he does he just talks normal on the show like he certainly doesn't like talk with like special words it's like like the ability to actually retain that in conversation is like statistically improbable yeah. and I'm trying to do it right now yeah like I can only think of so many words that actually you have I don't know sorry I have a lot of feelings about this <laughs> yeah so it's weird because considering that information I thought he'd be really annoying and like out there but he's actually like totally flying under the radar like they don't really show him much so I'm just like not really sure why he's getting roses but anyways maybe he'll I hope go he home goes home week. soon yeah because I don't have him going far oh I think I've already got him gone I think I have him going home this week because I was like, she can't marry someone who looks like her sibling. Yeah, and who you have to call John Paul Jones at all times. Yeah, I, Hannah, take you John Paul Jones. Yeah. Also, are you then Hannah Jones? Hannah John Paul Jones? (laughs) Hannah Paul Jones? How does this work? I don't know. Yeah. So anyways, I guess that's basically where we're at right now. We'll probably do another update in a couple of weeks to see how the pool's doing and see how the show's been going. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I can also now devote more time to this show because the challenge is over. MTV's the challenge, which I'm a real big fan of. And it takes up every Wednesday night, which is usually what I reserve for Bachelor because then I can watch it on like citytv.com where I can skip a lot of it. Right. Um, So I'm back full send, especially now a bunch of people have been eliminated. This is good for me. I can get back into the swing of it with people that I'll hopefully see in the weeks to come. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that pretty much wraps us up for the week. Um, like we mentioned, Taniela will not be here next week. I will have a uh, guest co-host for the week. And Is this the first time you're going to co-host without me? Yeah. <gasps> it's so weird. Oh, my God. I know. Super weird. Um, so, yeah, as usual, follow us on Instagram at Cleats and Cocktails. Follow us on Twitter at Cleats Cocktails. Make sure to subscribe, review, rate, thumbs up. I don't even know. <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> Every time on Apple, follow us or subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, all of the good ones. We're on everything. Um, otherwise, I will see you guys in two weeks and I will talk to you guys next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers.